Hey, this is Keith Jones, the new president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Gentlemen, the Danny Briere era has begun. The Danny Briera has begun. How long, been, how long have you been waiting for that one? <laughs> I just came up with it. Shots fired. The man makes his first trade and realizes, wait, if I if I get rid of a defenseman, you're telling me I don't have to attach high picks to get rid of him? What? So Danny Briere already off to a good start. We're going to break it all down. There were rumors that Carter Hart was imminently going to be moved. He is he is still wearing orange and black, but for how much longer? There are other things that are in the pipeline, and we're here to break it all down. First, I'm going to go to a man who uh, I have to say I've, I've missed a little bit. I've missed a lot of it, and that, that's Bundy. Find him on Twitter at Cterian6. How are you doing, you butte? And and are you feeling you feeling the positivity this morning? Yeah, I mean, I love, I love the move. I mean, I, you know, I was going back even to when we, and I know I missed a couple episodes, and it's great to see those beautiful face of yours, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to see both of you guys. I missed you, like half brothers from different mothers, and um, you know what? It was, it was good. I, I again, I love what uh, everything how it got set up, and, and Jonesy coming in. We talked about that uh, with Danny, and uh, you know, I'd spoken to both guys, so I. You know, I had a good feeling about things, and I think Anthony had a good idea that things were going to change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you knew things were going to change. But I'm glad to be here, Russ. I'm looking forward to talking about, uh, you know, the big, the first big move under Danny's, as I called it on Twitter, a dynamo move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a splash move. And I think when you, you know, and I'll let Anthony jump in a sec, but when you look at the haul they got back, for what I, listen, you can say what you want. I think Provorov was a declining asset. And, um in a lot of ways, besides the numbers, he was a really good player on what was a bad team for the last few years. And that hadn't transitioned anywhere. Yeah. He played good with good players, but if he couldn't take over a pair himself, it was the right time to move on. And that's, I think what the theme of this show is going to be today is the house cleaning that we've been calling for uh, has started. And it's to me, it's not probably not done. It's not, it shouldn't be done. Uh, but that's a first really, really good move by Danny. Uh, I know, Russ, you picked up some stuff on it, too, about some of the come the stuff coming back, and, and Danny's uh, talked about that. But really impressed. Uh, we You got to stock the cupboard back again somewhere. Uh, and this is a great, great first. But I think Danny really did an excellent job with uh, getting out and in front of things. Uh, it's hard to make trades still when the Stanley cup finals going on, cause everybody kind of wants to reassess and reassemble their own thoughts about what they're doing, but a nice sneaky move by Danny getting that trade done quickly and making things happen. Good to see you guys. Look forward to the show today. Anthony, I'm going to go to you, Mr. Uh, Intrepid Phillies reporter, <laughs> the man who yesterday when I said, Hey, let's do a quick Twitter space said, uh, Russ, I, uh, I have to meet, I have to meet with the manager at four 15. And it was 2.30 in the afternoon. Anyway, he's here. I was driving. No, you weren't. He's here, and I'm happy to see him. And I I know that he's been working the phone, so he's going to make it up to everybody. Anybody who's upset that we didn't do a show yesterday, 
Uh, Anthony's going to make it up to you with some of his insight today and some of the behind the scenes mechanisms that have been at work. So uh, let's let's go to you, Anthony. Find him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, doing great, and it's good to have Bundy back as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with 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 Bundy said. I think it's a big move. I think it's a very good move. Um, I think it's incredibly creative. Uh, what Danny did here. I mean, obviously he could have just done the deal with Columbus straight through and mm-hmm. maybe gotten a little bit less, probably along the lines of what Provorov's real value was. But by by getting the Kings involved and, and you know, being willing to take on a, a, a contract that they wanted to get rid of, um, maybe actually two when you really think about it. I mean, maybe they, they didn't have room for Walker either. Um, they were able to get more out of the deal. And, and so to get a to get three high draft picks and a prospect who's – we're not talking about a guy who's like a fifth-round guy that you're just taking a flyer on. They got a guy who was a second-round pick just two years ago. Um, and his big, you know, big right-hand shot defenseman, and you know, you can never have enough of those, right? There's, they're, they're so limited in number of right-hand defensemen that are out there. So everybody wants those. So you, you just add another one to the stable, whether he becomes a, an NHL or not, we won't know, but, but it's still an asset to get back. So to get all four of those things, um, that's pretty impressive to me for a very, for a first time GM's first trade i i think danny danny hit a home run here um just because you y- you also and we're going to dive into you know the, the whole thing here but you moved on from a player who was a good player but who was no longer a fit here okay he just didn't he wanted he didn't want to be here the team didn't you know, they soured on him more relationship stuff didn't really kind of develop his game like they needed him to um, all those things, and you able to move on from that and bring back enough to to do a lot of things because what what Danny can do with these picks, yeah, they can add, they could draft every one of these pl- spots and, and and add decent players or decent prospects, but they can also do some things with these picks to maneuver themselves into better positions in the draft which I think is something we want to talk about. I asked Briere about that yesterday during the press conference. I, I do think that the Flyers are going to try and get higher than seven in this draft. I think that they are going to try to get – will they get there? I don't know. Um, you know, Those top, top four picks are, are going to be gold, so I don't know if you're going to get that high. But I think Danny's going to get a, give it a shot, and I think he might have a chance of getting there. So let, let's we'll, we'll talk about it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Depends what the – it depends what it is too, right? Like what's going back and what's involved. But I, I think the biggest thing, guys, and again, we, this is the one. Yes, it's a, it's a it's an excellent trade, but it wasn't like he was trying to dump a third liner here. Like he had an asset, and and if you fish around the league enough, you're going to find somebody to bite on that fish. That's yep. the thing with overall. There's going to be naysayers. There's going to and and again, I know people like I read some of this stuff the other day. When when you go through the league, um, nobody cares about you know, what went on back in, 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 um, with, with the pride thing. I, that wasn't an issue. People say, Oh, it was because of pride. It, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It had absolutely nothing to do with that at all. This is a hockey trade, Anthony. We've been talking about it for two years, right? Like it's a difficult trade to make in season, but this is a kind of move you have to make at the draft. Um, but I, again, you're, you're, you are, you have a, an asset. When you look around the league, 
And I know people say, well, why would we get rid of him? Because his time here had just expired. Like you go to one city, some guys stay longer than others. Some guys, it, it's, it's a wash. But this has been two or three years now of the same repetitiveness. And I think they've been trying to get more out of him, more out of him. And I think he showed signs some nights where he was he was he was the player that we saw in his first year, but it, it also became evidently clear that yes he hauled 25 minutes a night and he was playing that much, but again if, if you're not a true number one and you're eating up those kind of minutes, your your stats aren't going to be better. You are who you are as a player, and at the end of the day, your numbers will show. And if you're not able to be that guy that is the number one pair guy that can elevate everybody else. Well, then they'd have to go find a guy who would be like an Eric Desjardins for me. Right. Like I'm, and I say that humbly, like I'm saying that, you know, a pair, it requires chemistry and they've had chemistry issues with him finding that pair, except when it worked with a Matty Niskanen, uh, who, who that one, that one season and one year and and they were never able to replace. I mean, they tried with Ellis had good move. Like he's had good games over a span of years, but it's not been the consistent bulk that you need every single night coming back. The number one pairing job is actually supposed to be a boring job because you're just doing your, 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 you're getting the puck out, you're defending, you provide some offense, but mostly getting pucks out. I just don't remember we talked to us. I don't even know who he was. Like I wasn't sure what he was. I think he thought he was a, a power play guy, an offensive guy, but I'm not sure that's where he was. And that's why Torts didn't have a lot of power play with him this year. Um, and again, I think there was a lot of uh, other underlying things that one when it, that came along with him. I, I just like the move, guys, of flipping the lineup, turning it over. Um, People, you know, I know, I, I, again, and I go back to saying, like, some people are like, well, why was it, you know, why would you get rid of a guy who played that much? Okay, I, I understand he was a minute gobbler, but yep. he's gobbling second pair of minutes against top-line guys over the course of, of time. And that's why you have to dig into what you have. That's why you have to turn over top guys in a, in a rebuild because those are your assets. So it is easier to move them. But getting the right value back for them is a key. And Danny did a good thing. I have no problem with stocking the cupboards again. Hextall told everybody the cupboards were stocked here. They really weren't. They, that's what everyone was told. He even told Fletcher that. And Fletcher believed that too. But I'm just telling you right now that this is a good move because, you know, you get the first rounder. And, Anthony, you're right. Those assets, I don't know if he could breach the top four, taking the 22 and the seven. But I'll tell you what, if you take the 22 and the seven and then you take another valued asset, out of these guys that are here, that are your what you were once considered your core, you maybe then be able to toss one of those guys into that top four, uh, or to, to make an offer and then get yourself in there. You'll never get to one, but you maybe be able to get to you know maybe three or four, depending on what they think of Fantilli. If that's the number two pick, if he's another like right behind him, I don't know, but that time will tell. But I think that's where they're at right now, and I don't think they should take anybody out of consideration. And I don't know it. If, if, if they have to deal a TK, he had a great year last year. But if you think there's a move there that advances your agenda for the long term, then that has to absolutely be looked at. And the same with Carter Hart. The same thing right now. Do I love trading a good young goalie? No. But again, if you have a guy that, that's, again, this is not a team, guys, next year that's going to just all of a sudden be just di- like dynamite. Maybe it, it improves a lot but there's still a lot of retooling and reworking. So my issue with the Carter Hart thing is when you look at it, why it makes sense is that he may not be to get the quality of what you're looking for in that window of time that you think that you're going to actually be 
a real contender. So you may have a great goaltender that's growing, but no matter how good he is, he just can't win because the players you have in front of him are not ready to do it yet. So that's what's going on, I think, with these guys. And I, and I say it like, you know, Hayes will be gone. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of things here that have to move. They have to turn the pages from the previous regimes. And, and I'm not saying it just to unload, just to unload. But Danny had a great start. I love how he didn't waste any time. Um, and these are the moves that you have to make in a rebuild. And he started. Well, the, cre- the, the creativity that was mentioned off the top of the show is like something that, you know, it, we have to be honest, right? This isn't the creativity we saw with Chuck Fletcher. It's not the creativity we saw with Ron Hextall. The last time that it, it felt like this team made a move kind of like this was when Paul Holmgren was in charge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you go back and like you can revisionist history a lot of things. Uh, you can you can try to like whitewash some of the history of, of moves that were made and everything. But like the Holmgren years, there there were good trades that were made that put you in contention and the salary cap eventually wreaked havoc and, and he didn't adapt well to it. And that's fine. But like this is at least a move that seems to align with what they've now said publicly time and time again, that it's going to be a rebuild and it's going to take a few years. They, they're they not trying to sell people on the notion that like, oh, we're, we're a move away. We're two moves away. Well, you, you know, you never know how the draft's going to break out. You never know how free agency is going to work. Like they're not trying to sell you on quick fixes. So Provorov, uh, just to recap, I'm sure that everybody who's watching right now or who listens later in the podcast feed has already seen this, but the Flyers pick up a 2023 first round pick number 22 overall. They pick up two second round picks in 2024. One is from Los Angeles. And then the others from the blue jackets, the blue jackets are going to get to decide at the end of the first round. If that second round pick is going to convey in 2024 or 2025. So that's, that's one thing that might end up getting kicked down the road (coughs) another year, but that's fine. It's still another second round pick. They pick up uh, Pedersen, the goalie from uh, the Kings. They pick up Sean Walker, a defenseman from the Kings. And they also get Gron, who who was a highly regarded prospect uh, when he came out, a former second-round pick. So that's that's what they got for Ivan Provorov. And if, if we're being honest, if we had looked at this, uh, I don't know, like last offseason, maybe if we had known this would be the return, we'd say, I don't know, is, is that a great trade? Because – you, you once again went into last season hoping that Provorov was going to rebound and be the player that he was next to Niskanen, but he, he never ended up becoming that guy again. And and when we could, we can, I don't know, like kind of be very soft, I guess, going around Provorov's play, but he hasn't played as a number one defenseman. He's, he's eaten those minutes in the same way that like you talk about, hey, on a bad team, somebody's got to score the goals. Like how many times did we hear that last year? Even when it came to connect me, having like a really nice season, it was, well, somebody has to score the points. Somebody has to score the goals. I, I would say that it's even easier on defense, right? Because somebody has to play those minutes. All right. You don't actually have to create. There's no production to be created. You have to play the minutes. Somebody has to. Now, Provorov was also delusional as a player. He was somebody who wanted to be the quarterback of the the top power play unit. He's a guy who wanted to play on the PK. He's a guy who wanted to be relied on in all situations. And and time and time again, it it became more and more abundantly clear that he wasn't that guy. He wasn't that all situations defenseman, at least in in a top pair. So you've now moved off of an asset that, but to Bundy's point, had essentially kind of degraded over time. Um, I don't think that there's a path here to him being a number one can he be on a top pair in columbus sure 
he'd be like the second guy on that pairing, but maybe he could be, or he's going to slot in and be a, be a really good second pair defenseman. You know, you know what's like fascinating what? to me about Columbus? Really, yeah. it's really fascinating. Provorov has always had this weird, yeah, competitive thing with Zach Wierenski. It's crazy, isn't it? And now they're going to be there together. Like he's always like the contracts and like you know, would you rather have Provorov or Wierenski? Like that whole thing has always been out there. And he's taken it personally sometimes against him in play against him and everything else. And now they're going to be together. So it's going to be interesting to see if they if they feel like that's a pairing or if Provorov's going to play on a different pairing. And look, Columbus, maybe Columbus doesn't view him as a as a as a number one Bundy because with with LA paying 30% of his salary, yeah, they're now only paying Provorov four million dollars. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Like Great point. Uh, yeah. That's another part of that creativity, though, of getting a third team involved. Yeah. I mean, like that, that probably sweetened the pot on, on both sides, right? Because not only that's how you end up with multiple picks, a pick from each team, and how you, and how you also end up with a prospect. Like it, it was, it was smart business. It was good business. Although we have to, we have to point out the Flyers did send away Hayden Hodgson and uh, yeah, that's, that's a good move, so, too, guys. That's a so, great you know, move. Like, you know, those, those that's guys, you know, thank you for your time here and, you know, best of luck in LA. But, I mean, I, I haven't seen any real detractors for this deal, guys. And and I'm not saying that it's because it's that new GM, the new car smell. But, like, it, it feels like it's like that because it's an actual good move. And you got a ton of assets that, again, align with this idea that it's going to be a longer rebuild. Now, the, the interesting thing is, do they really choose to package a bunch of these assets they've acquired to move up into that top five or to move up into that top four, or are they better served by drafting at seven and drafting at 22? Like, is it better to have two first round picks or is it better to package those with another asset? You're not going to seven and 22 do not get you four or get you three. There has to be something else of value moved. I'm not sure if that gets you up there. Uh, where, where do you guys land? Do you think it's better for them to try to break into that fourth or fifth spot in this draft? And trade both of those first and potentially another asset, or do you just say no? Like we're we're okay. Seven twenty-two, yeah. you know, make other deals for other pieces. I got an answer to that actually, and I'll tell you this: if you really, really think that the number two pick, like say you have it slotted, so it's um, it's Bedard one, that's off the board. Chicago will take him with mm-hmm. you know without hesitation. If you love somebody, like absolutely love what you think would be the second pick, then don't trade everything to get to four where maybe you really like the guy a lot. So yeah. make sure I'm saying that if you love the guy, make the make do the difficult work and make that move. If that, that that's what Danny says and they're in agreement. But if there's somebody that's less than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't give up the whole farm for something that you're not totally sold on just to make the move. Yeah, it looks good to the Flyers. You say, oh, we're in the top four, and this is a deep draft, and we got one of these you know, generational-type talents. That's great to say that, but also doing it right is the other part of it, too. If he can get in there and he can get to one of those four, like the, those next three guys, but he loves one in particular, and that's the guy he can get, I'd go for it. You have to also look at the second, third, and the fourth team, those picks, and take a look at their asset board and also see what they need beyond picks. Because you're going to have to give them something to get up into that top four that's going to be a value. And that's where maybe the Carter Hart or a Konechny comes into play. That may push you up over the top 
to get in there. And that's why I'm saying, though, the assets that Danny's got left that are of value, he got rid of Provorov, he's got Hart, he's got Konechny. Um, those are probably the big three, unless I'm missing someone else, right? Like in terms of your of your, your age-appropriate mm-hmm. assets. You have Sanheim, but he's on the you know, first year of that long deal uh, as well. But that's what they're dealing with right now. And and, and again, yeah. but he has to make sure if he's going to get up. I, I love the fact that I think he wants to make a splash for the city, give him like a, a vision of hope entering into the season. And I'm all about that. And I think it's great. But I also think that he's got to make 100% sure um, that he gets what he wants, if that's really what he wants, and, 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 and the road to get there. I don't know how that looks. So it's a lot of interest. Like, who's – Anthony, who would be the most likely team of those next three after Chicago that would need a goalie or a really good scoring winger? I mean, anyone could use a winger, but it's how much of the winger you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I think any well, look, I think any of them really. I mean, you're talking Anaheim, San Jose. I mean, not San Jose. Uh, Columbus is three, right? Anaheim. It's, uh, it's it's so we go Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, San Jose Montreal. Montreal is right. interesting. Montreal yeah. at five, yeah. Arizona at six. Uh, so Colum- yeah, so it would be Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose. I, I, I mean, really, any of the three could use either. Um, I think the thing that's most likely is, and Russ has kind of alluded to this twice now, is Montreal. And I think five is the spot that you can probably get to. I think basically what ends up happening there is you you wait and you see what happens at four. Right? What does San Jose do at, at at four? If you jump up to five, is San Jose going to take Will Smith? Are they going to take the Mishkov kid uh, from Russia? What's going to happen there? Um, I talked to an NHL scout yesterday who said to me, three through twelve in this draft could go any way that you that you can imagine, and I was surprised by that. I was surprised to hear that three and four kind of fit into that with five through 12. five through 12 wouldn't surprise me can go yeah. anyway. Right. But right. when he said three through 12, I was a little bit surprised. So you're, you're pretty much locked in. I think, I think Anaheim, you're not getting up to two to get Fantilli as much as anybody would love to think, Oh, maybe we can go there. I, I don't think it even Carter Hart or Travis connecting. I don't think either one of them are appealing enough to the ducks to not take Fantilli. Okay. So I think that you're looking three is probably your, your best option, but I don't think that's going to happen either because if you thought you can make start work that with Columbus, maybe it would have already been in, kind of included and, and you would have put an even bigger deal together here, right. To, you know, with the, with the blue jackets in some capacity. Um, I mean, I guess anything's still possible. I mean, you know, teams have made multiple trades together in a short period of time, but but I think that I think that you know that was Columbus became the conversation for Provorov. I don't think you're getting to three. I haven't heard anything that San Jose would be willing to move out of four. So like 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 to me, I think that's where five comes into play. And I think Montreal could be a team that would be willing to flip flop with you. So if the player you want, like Bundy was just saying, if the player you want to trade up for is there at five then go get him. Yeah. Then go get him. It's just yeah. tricky. It, you know, it, it, that that's the problem. So like the, the guy that has long been rumored as, as potentially falling is Mishkov who like, again, just to, to recap for folks out there who I think are probably aware of this anyway, but like 
in any other year, Mishkov probably would have been the top pick of the draft. That's mm-hmm. that's what the scouts have said for well over a year, is that he he would have been number one had it not been for Bedard. But you also have the the issue that he's a Russian player under contract to a Russian team. This organization has been burned in the past year with Ivan Fedotov with trying to get him over and him essentially being put into military service uh, in Russia. There, there have been no developments, to my knowledge, uh, regarding him being done his service and having the potential to come back over here. In fact, there was that report a few months ago that he was uh, – signed to a new contract in the KHL. God knows what that means. Uh, you would hope that at some point he'll be able to come over, but I wouldn't blame the Flyers if they're a little bit gun shy of making a move, trading valuable assets to go up and get the guy, even if you do think he's the best one, because you don't know if or when he's going to be able to come over. Um, I want to get to one of the comments that was in here, though, because I think this is another interesting level to this. So Pashendi, I'm going to say Pashendi, um, was in here an hour before we went live and said, in my opinion, say goodbye to Konechny. Detroit and St. Louis are 9 and 10 in the draft. Both want top six offense at right wing. Now, I'm not advocating for making that move to have further uh, ammo to move up to three or four. But if, if that were on the table, and I'm not saying that it is, but if you could move, say, 22 and Konechny to get number nine or number 10, do you make that move and draft at seven and either nine or 10 and say, that's a hell of a haul. We've already done a lot to kind of build up the, the young core of the team. Or do you include that? Do you then go seven, nine and 22 to try to move up to three or four? I, I, like, think, at what, I guess my question is at what point is enough enough or like at what point is too much, too much. I mean, we can, we can, we can talk in circles about value and, and, and who goes where and what it would take to go from this pick to this pick. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that they that they won't trade Travis Konechny, but I'll, I'll I'll repeat what I've said before. That's their toughest decision. Yeah, that's tougher than Carter Hart in their minds. Um, and and the reason is because I I believe that they feel like Sam Erson can be a number one goalie, and they had so they feel like they have that right to to replace Hart, and so that there's. They're, they know they can get great value for for Hart and have somebody ready to kind of step in, kind of you know even if it's even if he's two years behind where Carter Hart is right now, he's also younger and and you know can can develop into that into that goalie, right? I, I think that they look at Konechny and feel like there is still like he still fits the mold of what Tortorella wants on the ice for this team. And that he could still bring that and bring value and, and still be that quality player when the team is good again. Um, he'll probably be turning right around 30 about that time, right? And and so you're still so he's still not like out of his prime at that point. And so they he they feel like he's a player that maybe could fit that fit in with this this mold and, and kind of be one of the leaders of this team going forward. That's not to say that they won't move him, but I think it's gonna take again an overpay by another team to get Konechny and I'm not certain that teams will overpay for Travis Konechny in this draft just you know I I just think that this draft teams view it it's tough to move picks in this to get picks in this draft because teams understand how important this draft is and Konechny's not a superstar caliber 
player that's going to get you that first rounder. Um, like you said, Russ, could you package a first rounder with connecting, but then are you really getting the value for him? Like, I don't, I don't think you are at that point. So I, I think that there's a chance eventually that if look, if it doesn't quite work eventually connect me could go. I just don't think that they want to do that this summer. I, just from my conversations, I think he's a guy that it would be harder for them to part with. I'll tell you that they're they're having this internal debate with Carter Hart too. They they they're worried a little bit about how it would how it would be viewed if you give up on a twenty four year old goalie who's actually you know been decent yeah. in this league. I don't um, believe that that's the case. So I don't I don't call it giving up on him. I call it flipping assets for I, the betterment of the future. But people I, are. Well, no, but from, I, mean, I mean, from the optics of it, Bundy. Like, well, it's, the optics, the optics are they, they could yeah. be more worried about the optics because the last guy that you had that was young and under contract that you flipped early was Bobrovsky. Now, granted, it was a very different situation. You didn't have in this case, you don't have an owner, you know, saying, get me the best, uh, the hell with everything else. And you're bringing in what you presume is a legitimate, you know, 60, 62 game starter, you know, number one goaltender. You don't have that coming in. You get why the optics would be a little bit suspect, given who's playing in the Stanley Cup final right now, uh, which is also not to pape over the fact that, you know, Bobrovsky has not exactly had a dynamo season or postseason uh, at the start. Remember, he was unseated by Alex Lyon. Russ. Former when, Phantom. So. When the Flyers in 2010 <clears throat> played the Montreal Canadiens, Cart. Kerry Price was the superstar goalie, the young superstar goalie in the mold of Carter Hart at that time. It was Yaroslav Halak who was the starting goalie the year the Flyers went to the finals in 2010. He just fell out of favor at the time as a young guy, and they were considering trading him. I remember there may have been an, op an, op an option at the time because I was doing radio and I used to hear stuff and that they were going to maybe consider offering Jeff Carter for Kerry Price. That may have been a great trade for this team at the time, you know, when you look at it in hindsight. But goalies are different. And, and you know what else, Anthony? The goalie, to me, uh, it, right now in hockey, appears to be like the running back in the NFL uh, in a lot of ways because they're like – again, this is cyclical. It goes up and down, and people will come back around to it. Some great goalie will win. But look at what happens with – Look what happens um, with, with what's gone on in Vegas. Look at last year's goalie in Colorado, right? Colorado was going to say, oh, we had a good puck stopper. But was he the, one of the great all-time goalies to win? No. Same again this year with Hill in Vegas. No one knew who he was two months ago. I mean, they had went out and got Jonathan Quick. So goaltending is sometimes in a moment type of thing. Um, you can catch fire. But if you look at the recent history of goalies that have actually propelled their teams to cups, it's not like it was once the Patrick Waugh, Marty Bordeaux-driven type Stanley Cup wins. You're finding complete teams now that are overhauling or, or that sometimes uh, over uh, can overlook just okay goaltending because their teams are so good and their defensive schemes are better. But I just think right now that there's a look – you know how it is, Anthony, right? It's kind of like a, you know, a follow-me league in a lot of ways. Like, oh, you're doing that? and. Okay, well, we're going to do that, too. And believe me, it happens in every sport. You just watch it at the end of any regular season. But I think where the teams are at is that they're trying to figure out, um, you know, exactly where they are. Um, and that, can, I think, that in and of itself can be an issue. I think you're spot on, Bundy. I, I would say go back in the last 
since that, you know, you, talk, you mentioned 2010, go back to 2010 and through till this year. Yeah. How, how many Hall of Fame goalies are going to win Stanley Cups? What? Uh, well, probably. Flurry? Uh, I'm trying to think. The guy, the guy in Washington was excellent. Like, if I'm going back to like great goaltenders that have won Anthony in the last seven, eight years, like, um, uh, Braden Holtby was excellent for a while. Yeah, but, is he, but is he a Hall of Fame goalie? I don't think so. I mean, I, I can't even remember either. the guy who and, won it last year. I've just got a early morning brain cramp uh, in Colorado. Went to Washington. Um, but there you go. The, <laughs> remember the guys but no, but like no, but the point the point stands though. It it's not you're not looking at a league where it's like you've got you know Brodeur sitting there right every every year year in and year out. You have you've even gotten past the point of like when Jonathan quick was this lights out dynamic goalie that, that you would say you'd move heaven and earth. Like any GM would move heaven and earth for him. If you look at the league right now, there are like what two, maybe three goalies that fit that mold. Shesterkin would be obviously one, although playoff run wasn't that great this year, but like there, there aren't that many, there aren't that many lights out stud goalies that can carry a team to a cup year in and year out over an extended period of time. It, it in a lot of cases, as you brought it up, it's just the hot hand, which leads us to a, a question. All right, so there's the goalie who's here still has that issue with that glove hand. High, shoot high, shoot high on that glove hand. And don't get the puck to him behind the net, or God help us. Uh, there, there is a question that was asked in the chat. And I think it's a fair question to ask. It's going to piss some people off, but I think it's fair. And it's, are we potentially, we, as in the city of Philadelphia, are we potentially overrating Carter Hart? Is is there a potential here that Carter Hart is being overrated by local media and fans because he's the best goalie that we have had in the better part of a decade, two decades, when you look at what he is now and what you in theory would project him to be by the time he hits his prime? Are we overrating him because of where he is, what he's been through with this team, and that we are not a fan base that has benefited from having insane depth or having a lights-out netminder? Like, is that part of what's at play here? Um, I think a little bit. I think we do overvalue Carter Hart a little bit, but let me be honest with you guys. The Flyers are taking a lot of calls on him. So if there are that many teams that are interested, you got to understand that the guy's still a pretty good goalie, right? I mean, let's let's be fair. Um, but if we're trying to connect the two points together, what we were talking about prior to this question, and then and then this question, um, when when you have a, a what Bundy called you know a good puck stopper, so we always hear coaches say this guy can is. He competes. He competes. Well, competing used to be, it used to be a negative, right? It used to be the way that the coach would say, guy works hard, but he's really not good, right? I mean, that's right, Bundy. I mean, that's what, what it would mean, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's be, yeah. let's be fair. Yeah, but, but, but now, now that with the way the game's played, I mean, obviously we see how much offense there was in the year, in the in the league this year, it's all opened back up again. So, trying to say, well, we need that goalie who's going to, you know, be have a that really low goals against and really high save percentage. 
it'd be great to have, but it's it's the game's not as conducive for it anymore. So now you just need guys who are consistently puck stoppers. And Carter Hart can be a consistent puck stopper. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to go out there and suddenly have a, you know, a 925 save percentage and a, you know, 2.2 goals against. It's not going to happen. He's going to be where he is. And what he is is fine for a good team that's competing for a Stanley Cup. Carter Hart would be a good goalie. He would be. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's as good as we believe he, you know, the, the city makes him out to be. He's not the second coming, right, kind of a goaltender. Um, and I'll tell you right now, just from conversations that I've had, the, 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 a lot of the offers that the Flyers are getting uh, or, you know, I shouldn't say off full-on major, like here's the trade offer, take it or leave it kind of thing, but conversations, let's just put it that way, that they're having are with teams based in Canada. Um, that's not to say they're all that, but let's just say – I've heard that Edmonton, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto have all checked in with the Flyers and started talking names for a potential trade for Carter Hart. Now, I don't want everyone to think that this is a guaranteed, definite, going to happen kind of thing. I could just as well see Carter Hart in goal as the first game for the Flyers next year as I could see him getting traded. I think it's about a 50-50 right now. Um, And these teams are are reaching out and are making offers. The Flyers, though, feel that they need to get to a certain point, a certain level of prospect or draft pick or whatever before they would consider moving cart, okay? So they feel that there's the, the value has to come back. Otherwise, they're just going to hold on to them. Um, and I'm not certain that any team gets to where they need to get to. That's why I have it as, as a 50-50. But if he goes to Montreal or he goes to Toronto or he goes up anywhere in Canada, is he going to be better there than he is here? I'm not certain that he is. And, and, and it's because I'm not convinced that he's that he's got the makeup to be under that kind of pressure. I mean, you guys remember what it was like here. The, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Anthony, he's got the right training from the right city if he's going to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, for sure. But that, but this one, this one I wanted to bring up. If yeah, you but remember, it's also the fourth, it's the fourth team in that city, and it's one that hasn't been under the, the right. scrutiny and the spotlight the same way. You know? I, well, let's, as much just, as we love that. Oh, I, I know. I know what you're saying. You know. No, but I just want to take you back. I just want to take you back a couple years ago. A few years ago, you know, they came, they came off the bubble where they were in the playoffs, and Hart had that completely terrible start to the season. And it was it was my question, completely innocuous question, where he kind of broke down and talked about having to find a find a way to get back to loving the, the you know to playing the sport that he loves the right way and and who's in tears and said, Rush, remember this whole thing that we that we did with him, right? And I'm I'm thinking to myself, that was the very first time that he was really under a lot of pressure and didn't succeed. That was the first time that he had failings. When you know, because he had always been all through junior, he was the best goalie in Canada, and this and that. And he came up here, and you know, he oh, he's the savior. And then for the first time, Carter Hart hit a wall and couldn't figure his way out of it. And he was very frustrated, very upset. He he got emotional about it and had a terrible, terrible year. And that was in the ex with the expectations in Philadelphia, where the team was certainly the fourth team at that point, even though they were still 
considered decent, they were still the fourth team in this town. What's it going to be like for a guy like that in in Toronto. you know Montreal or Toronto? I mean, come at, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So, like to me, we have to and we have to have teams, an uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable converse, conversation that we have to have. Yeah, about this, he does. He's he's not he's not totally there. Flat out, there there I, have been guys there have been guys in that locker room that are either there now or have moved on that questioned it. It's yeah. not being unfair. It's not being rude. It's not speculating. It's been it's been said. It's been wondered aloud. It's been intimated. And it's not just players, it's former coaches, it's other people who've been around that team, that he doesn't have the mental makeup of a guy who can block everything out. And again, it's not to crap on him. Everybody is their own individual. And the way that you respond to criticism is entirely you know, acceptable to you, however you do it. But there have been those questions. And when he goes under that kind of scrutiny, like imagine Toronto, imagine Toronto makes a move, right? You go from a tough city with presumably tough fans and not as tough as they used to be media covering you day in and day out, but you're the fourth team. You go to Toronto where this game is treated like the 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 be-all, end-all, where people are as rabid and insane as it gets when it comes to this sport. You have to be bulletproof mentally to succeed and to succeed in that position. And it... I mean, again, it's not trying to, you know, go after a guy. It's not trying to say he's, you know, mentally weak. I just don't, based on what has been intimated over these years, like, I just don't think that he would thrive there. Not saying he needs to go to the desert and play in a, you know, low stakes environment like the Coyotes or wherever the hell they're going to end up. But I, I don't, I don't see him going from here after what he's faced here and then being able to stand up to it after it gets ramped up. And you're you are the number one topic uh, by the sports media. I, I don't see it, and maybe I'm wrong. Bundy, like you, I'm sure you could talk to when when you're criticized as a player, how it can mess with you over time. Like, do you think it would be a good situation for him? Like, is is there, you know, am I am I talking out of my ass? Like, where where well, do you no, land I mean, on this kind of thing? I think I think he personally, I think there's something there, and I think that Carter Hart, like you know, you look at some of the goalies that have won. I mean, if we're just talking about winning. There's probably far a lot of goalies in the last ten years that had physical abilities less than Carter Hart that have won Stanley Cups. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, he he's been on some good teams in the past, and sometimes you know when you come in here and the makeup is a little bit different, and you have a a mental view of what your team is in front of you, you can sometimes play to that. You know, you can actually turn into be the guy that becomes as mediocre as your team because you think that that's what it is. Goalies are weird, man. Like. I try to stay the fuck away from him a lot in, in, in the room before games because, like, you just don't know what they're thinking. And the only guy I ever talked to was, like, Hextall. He was, like, the only guy who would talk to me before a game. Like, I actually could, like, have a little combo with him. But then other goalies, you look at him, you're like, Jesus, the guy's got to go home and live his life after this game. But I, like, yeah. you know, it's like, wow. But um, it's just, they're different. But I do, I think if Carter Hart was on a really good team that he would thrive, I think he certainly could. You know, I, I don't, you know, again, this is, guys, this is, if you look at the one theme that we've talked about for some time now, and it all falls into what's gone on the last day or so and what's going to continue happening. Um, there's a timeline here that just never worked. 
it just never it hasn't worked since 2017 and that's what the problem is now they have to flip the script over i i even when hextall was a manager here and i said to him once i'm like because i kept looking at the roster and i'm saying you have too much gap between your older group that you think is still prevalent and your younger group but you have no bridge in the middle to meet them you had no bridge at all he had the connect me Provorov young guys coming up and then he had the Giroux guys with Borachek uh, and aging Simmons and there was nothing in between that's what that to me was what the problem was here for years that they were, were, didn't look at didn't want to change did nothing about it so now they're doing those kinds of things that they have to do and I think that Carter Hart if, if I'm looking at if I'm putting my GM hat on right now my issue what I'm thinking aloud in my own head is if we're good again in three or four years, where we're like play a playoff team where we think we can win a round, maybe two, and you're getting deeper and your your assets are starting to pay off, can Carter Hart be the goalie then? Yes, I believe so. But the issue is, is getting to there. So if you have a goalie who you think is a really good goalie, or maybe not, he's your backstopper for the next four or five years, and you may not, and it may be all for nothing. So if you can get assets for him, and have somebody else believing that they are getting the next Patrick Waugh or Marty Brodeur in a trade in the Canadian city where goalies, Anthony knows going up there, they're like heralded, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh man, we got to go like Connor Hellebuck's a God in Winnipeg. I know he's going to be out of there, but they thought so highly of him because he had one heck of a year, a couple of good years. So I do think there's a, a likely probability that that might be the move only because of the timing issues involved uh, in the age, in the age discrepancy yeah. in the group in the past. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, again, I don't know what 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 they do. Um, if they kept Carter Hart and and Danny said, I believe that we're going to have a good team and he's going to be in his late twenties or maybe thirty at that time. Okay, then I'm I'll go with that. But that's that's the discussion that they're having in their head is where are they with that? And yeah, I, I, and, and, back, and, we'll do it. And I, I'll I'll point out when Carter had his exit uh, uh, presser. And he was asked about, you know, what it's, you know, what it's like for him right now. And he says, you know, I, I want to be, a, I want to be on a winner. And and again, this kind of ties into what you were saying, Bundy. He's a guy who had success his whole life, mm-hmm. and he thrived in that having success. And when he then got to a point where it's he's hit struggles with this team over the last few years maybe he's felt part of that disappearing from from him and i think that that's where we're i think that's more of what we're talking about here not that not, we're, no one's calling him a mental midget right i mean no one's sitting there saying oh he can't deal with he can't deal with it yep but the fact is is that when you've played at this level with the bad team for an extended period of time and then suddenly are thrust into a position where you now have to play for a team with high expectations in a market with hot, you know, with the harshest of spotlights, it's not going to be that easy to just flip it and, and get back into playing at that level again. So the longer he's here and the longer he's playing here on teams that are not successful, where, you know, he feels like his, he's not putting up the numbers that he should be putting up because the team around him isn't good enough. I think that impacts his value and impacts the the way he first impacts him and the way he plays and then secondarily impacts his value. And so that's why I think what you're looking, when you look to say, should we trade Carter Hart? Now's the time to do it. Yeah. 
and if not you're going to do it and not wait and not wait and see, you know, and and give him another season with a with a mediocre to to not good team who's still growing next year, and then it's like, oh, there's another average season from Carter Hart that knocks his value down even yeah. further, yeah. right? I mean, so like to me, that's what I think that's what we're trying to say. I, I don't want anybody to to mistake us saying that this guy is, you know, he's he just oh, he can't handle the pressure. Oh it's no, that. and it's already happening. It's already. Ha- I know. I know. Twitter's like a, a shitty echo chamber. Oh, is like, it really? There's already. Yeah, there's already. I mean, it's somebody who like I guess hate listens to us, but like. Well, that's all right. Took took what I said before about players, coaches, people around the team questioning his ability to hold up to like to the pressure, like the works, and that somehow got misconstrued. And I want to make sure that I read this correctly. That it was misconstrued because uh, I said, let's see. Um, there, that means us. They're calling him mentally weak from struggling with a terrible coach during the pandemic. <laughs> this podcast is fucking dog shit. Well, see, that's okay. what I'm trying to. That's what I don't so want to happen. That's, that's not what we're saying. That's not what and, we're saying. It's not what was said. Yeah, but there are people. There are people who actively either look for something to pick out and to complain about, or get really upset because they have an attachment to a certain player. And again. That's fine. If you're oh. as a fan, as a fan, as a fan, you can be an ultimate fan of you that know what? I was player. That, I was that way with Bundy. I really was. Yeah, I know. Anytime I anybody have to sneak out the back to still avoid Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> he was like Robert. He was like Robert De Niro in that Wesley Snipes movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's. But no, that, that's that's the problem though. Is like we. The stuff, the, the, the thing is, and like, I, I think that it's, again, it's, it's safe to say, it's fair, fair to say, we're not making shit up. The things that are told to us, and we all talk to different people, right? And sometimes the same people, but like the things that are intimated to us aren't bullshit. They're, they're what somebody thinks and says. If we report that, or if we bring that up as part of the thing on the show, like it's not us just saying, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Do you think he's an idiot? Like, do you think do you think he's what did you call him? Ant- mentally, mentally weak or whatever. Mental. I don't like mental midget, but like that that idea, right? That's not what we're saying. But there are people who have played with him, coached him, and been around him in this organization that have openly questioned. That's not bullshit. It's just throwing it out. That that is something that has been said to us. Now you could you could disagree with that. You can be upset with that. You can love Carter Hart to the point that you see no fault in his game, and that's totally fine. And if that's what you want to do, by all means. But like. We we deal with like truth and and hopefully like informed opinion here and like by by all means like you can live in whatever fantasy land you want. Um, I do want to come back to this thing about Urson though. He has six wins. He had six wins uh, last season. Tortorella spoke effusively with praise about Urson. Right. We still don't know what's going to happen with Fedotov. We don't know if he'll ever be over. Uh, it's it's worth doing two things here to point out that I think some people have have lost track of. Last offseason, there were people in the organization who thought that Ivan Fedotov had the ability going into this past season to push Carter Hart for more playing time, not to unseat him as the starter, but to p- push him for playing time. Then Fedotov had his issues in Russia, was unable to come over. Erson comes in, wasn't off the radar, but he came in, played very well. Tortorella praised him a lot to the media and a lot in public. Is the organization or John Tortorella, are they potentially overvaluing what Sam Erson is 
as a guy who's only won six games in this league, if if they in theory would feel comfortable enough moving off of Carter Hart and and presumably giving that number one job to Arison, are are they overvaluing? Well, I mean, I think the way you look at it is is that you know we had heard about Carter Hart being this top goalie prospect for a couple of years before he actually made it onto the big club, right? I mean, so it was it's kind of the same process. Like if they're evaluating at a lower level, they're evaluating they evaluated Urson, you know, in the minors and junior or wherever, whatever. And they felt they look at it and they say, Yeah, this this kid's got number one potential, number one goalie potential. They're pretty much gonna you know, you gotta you gotta believe in that. Like if you gotta believe in your in your internal evaluation, right? They believed in it with Carter Hart, and we got to this point where we are with Hart, and they believe it with Urson. So you you gotta kind of look at it and say, Well, if they believe that, that he can be that number one guy, and you have right now on your hands two guys who are number one caliber, the only one who's proven it over an extended period is Carter Hart, then yeah, then you can move on from him. Um, I don't necessarily think that Urson would be a guy that automatically comes in and, and starts 55 games for you. I think that trading for, you know, Peterson from LA kind of gives you an NHL backup or a guy that can at least split the the season with him next year to kind of, you know, build Urson up even more. You go from having six NHL games to maybe next year you have, you know, a 40-40 split or, you know, somewhere in that kind of 50-50 range, right? Um, and I think that that's kind of what you what you would hope for. And then eventually Arison kind of takes the job and runs with it, you know, in year three, right, uh, of his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of how you look at it. Is, is it possible that they overvalue him or overrate him? Of course. But you have to – you what makes teams good and what makes teams successful is the ability to have a self-evaluation – that's honest and true. And if you're constantly overvaluing players, then you're doing it wrong. If you're constantly undervaluing players, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right? So there has to be that honest and true middle. And if they look at a, a prospect and say, you know, yeah, we don't think he's going to get there, don't keep trying with him. Right? Don't keep don't keep going that down that path which we've seen happen here a little bit too many times in the past few years. But if you look at a prospect and you say, we, we believe in this, we believe in this guy. We think he can be a, a guy, a, a number one goalie, then, then go with it, you know, go and, 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 and check yourself out. And I'll say one other thing they do have, it's not like this is the only, the one spot that the flyers have like real depth in this organization is goalie. Like they have guys. They, I mean, Fedotov might never play here, and that's fine. But they do have the 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 kid, from the other Belarusian. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kolosov, and and he's been talked about before. And uh, so, so there's another guy that's coming through and saying, well, maybe he eventually kind of. Began. So they have pl- they have depth there that yeah. you know that they've never had before. It's a, an embarrassment of of riches at a position that they've been bear for so long um so it's 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 okay to kind of move on from one goalie and and try and go to another one if you feel like you have it but you have to believe it you have to believe in your own evaluation first and foremost i i I think that i think that when you have an nhl this is where i think towards has great value when you have an nhl coach 
who sees a young kid playing and he plays a handful of games for him and practice the way he practices and you and he's internally pushing and saying oh yeah i like this kid i mean you're a vet- I mean, how many veteran coaches like kids that come in right away right they usually they're usually hard on them especially an old school coach like tortorella they're usually harder on younger players if a young player comes in and impresses a coach like that right off the bat then i think that there's probably something there and so therefore i i think it's worth trusting that evaluation and and going in that direction because you'll get great assets in return for carter hart that that's so to put a bow on that part if you if you truly believe that you are going to take a few years here to rebuild and Carter Hart is your most valuable asset, which I think we'd all agree he is. And he can get you the most draft capital or get you the most high-end prospects to try to build out for two years from now or three or whenever you think it is that you're going to be ready to kind of flip from a rebuild to actually trying to compete. It makes all the sense in the world to trade him on that end. But isn't it also, I guess, the right thing to do if, if your goal is then going to be to be a bad team next year, right? Like to, to, to try to get back high into the lottery. Is there a case to be made that Carter Hart actively prevents you from being one of those teams in the top three, top four, because he's a good enough goalie that like he might not steal you 12 games, but he's going to actively keep you in some games that maybe you don't have the right to be in or that you don't deserve to be in. And he essentially is helping to raise that floor and gain you points that you probably don't want to gain. Like is, is that also part of the calculus going into like the decision of whether or not to move him? Bundy, you want to, you want to respond to that one? Well, again, I, I go back Russ, to where the time, it's a timing issue. I mean, if, it, if, if, so there's going to be teams in the league that are going to look at every single player and different GMs are going to have the same opinion of a guy and different GMs are going to say, nah, he's not worth it. That's yeah. a, what is called, uh, you know, beauty in the eye of a beholder. Right. So, I don't want to look at it and say like one one's team's trash is another tre- team's treasure, but that does happen. And it's how much the other team puts the value into them. Like if somebody thinks cart, like, again, I, I listen, I, I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of different mental um, capacities that goaltenders have and, and, and scenarios. We have, I was just reading that one guy about talking about the mental stuff. That's very much part of it, especially for a goaltender. So you can't like really, um, dismiss the fact that that you get into different scenarios with 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 goaltenders that overthink and stuff like that but in terms of where they're at with this team right now if you can find the right group of guys that believe carter hart can be the savior of their franchise and convince them to do that then that's when you have to make the move but i think the part of 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 where he's at right now is also having patience in a lot of ways because you don't want to just trade him for something that just to trade him. And I don't think they're going to do that. It has to make logistical sense. Uh, Anthony's right. They do have a pipeline of goalies. You know, I remember last year how good Urson uh, played late in the year. We're talking about, you know, the, the strides he'd made. But again, you know, it, you don't know that until you see a full bulk size of a guy playing a full NHL season, have an understanding of, you know, what goes on in 82 games and the rest that he gets for, say, 20 games, not playing for the backup. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you could, if if it if it makes sense for one of those teams, and you can you can do it, absolutely. And and I'm sure those are the discussions they're having right now. They have to. They absolutely yeah. have to. Uh, guys, we had a, a unbelievable amount of comments, questions, and concerns over in the chat. There's no way to get to them all today. 
Um, I think we'd be here until like noon if we read all of them. Um, but I want to thank everybody who checked us out here on YouTube. Uh, it's been going up across the bottom, but youtube.com slash at snow the goalie. Um, I, I saw a lot of people. The, the nice thing is there were like, what, 60 people, I think, as soon as we went on. We've had around 250 throughout much of the, of the show tuning in. Um, I know we've said this a lot lately. We want to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're uh, so far, so far. Uh, we had what Anthony DeGrazio and Zach Fee or Zach Fi both subscribed during the live stream. If you're watching this, okay, if you're on YouTube and you haven't already subscribed, just like scroll down and hit the subscribe button. You can hit the little bell and get notified whenever we go live, which is also beneficial. Uh, when you know the stream says we're going to start at nine and we don't start till close to nine fifteen, that's my fault. I, you know that 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 is that one's my fault today. My apologies. Um, there was a really good comment in here somewhere. Uh, somebody said that I, I was probably making a double chai macchiato. Um, well, that was based off of my tweet. Oh, what was your tweet? I missed your tweet. I said that Bundy and I have been here for hours and we're waiting for Russ to make his coffee. Yeah, oh, that's not true. I, I don't I, have I, to, I, I text. Yeah, I'd like to say, though, like the people that think that we're the click site, they're, <laughs> I can tell you this much. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, so I played with Jonesy for four years, three or four years, broadcast with him for 15 more. Um, Danny broadcasted with him. I mean, the hockey world, when you're in the circle with the hockey world, you become friends and everybody wears a GM hat. I don't think there's anybody <laughs> that's more well-informed and more well-versed and more honest and direct about player situations. I'm even honest about myself when I played. I had mental shit nights too. It happens. I played in Philly. I got booed gloriously some nights. I also got cheered big time other nights. But to say that we're looking for clicks, sorry, dude. I got up at 7.45 or 7.40 this morning to make sure I got on this on time for no other reason except to, you know, talk hockey. So if you think we're doing it for clicks, think again. Uh, we right. have a lot of, a lot of sources and and a lot of people that like talking to us about hockey, and we try to provide the best information we can to the, the fans in Philadelphia. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, from a person that lives a very honest life now, uh, there's no spewing any bullshit on here. We speak from the heart, and we speak from the knowledge that we get on the outside. So you can chew on that, fellas, <laughs> think that we are anything but. Yeah. Hey, Rod Mitten just subscribed. Thank you to Rod. Um, yes. By the way, a couple of really good um, uh, comments here as, as we get ready to wrap up here. C-Max says, Anthony was running late. He had to pick up Schwarber's dry cleaning. <laughs> Feeble-minded brother says, uh, is Bundy at Tim Hortons right now? No, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. That's great. <laughs> what was the order again? I, I, I don't remember. What was the what was that? I went through the, the drive-thru in Canada. Yeah, do you remember what your order was? Like, do you get the same order at Tim Hortons every time or now? Dude, that looks like the lineup at Disney World like pulling in in the morning for like the, uh, yeah. a reopening. The line of the Tim Hortons, and I said before, like you can't swing a cat around without hitting a Tim Hortons in Ottawa or Toronto. They're everywhere. <laughs> I'm not somebody in the shower. Said, somebody said it looks like Anthony's in the shower. That is not an image that we all need to have. Uh, no, it's our, not. In our no, morning, our afternoon, our evening. Do you remember the episode where I showed up without a shirt on? Yeah, I do. I do. I don't think we went live though with that one. I think that was um, not live. I was. I think I was... demanded that you put a shirt on. Um, it was. It was. It was. It was something that, that was. That was. That was a moment. 
that yeah. was we would have gotten thrown off YouTube if we uh, went live. Yeah, right there. Hey, real quick, Russell. I know we want to wrap yeah. this up. We got two. Yeah. Just so you know, we have two new five stars. Oh, that's right. We do. Hold on a second. I'll pull that up. Hold I on. have them. If you want me to start reading them, Anthony, you go ahead and read them. I'm going to look for comments here on the side, and, okay. and you can read the five stars. By the way, we we said this. We've now had more people subscribing over on the YouTube channel. We want to get to a thousand. We're going to do a giveaway when we get to a thousand. I think we're around like seven twenty something okay, right yeah, now. We're getting, yeah, we're so close. we're getting we're getting close. Okay, go ahead and read the right, reviews yeah. and we'll, here we we'll pick out some yeah. comments uh, here. On long time listener, five stars. This is from the sock man. The sock Not, man. Just S O C, no K. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for the better part of four years, and the podcast is always phenomenal. Getting Bundy uh, on the podcast took it to a new level. I'm of the new age. I'm of the new age fan side, so I never watched Bundy play. But I love to put the podcast on while I work and listen to everything you guys have to say. Easiest five star rating I could give with everything you guys provide the fans. I have a question for you guys to think over or debate in the next pod if you want. What do you guys think about the rumors coming out of Montreal? Uh, about this was this is pro- obviously before he signed. He was asking about Cole Caulfield. Um, obviously, he signed with Montreal, so there's no offer sheet going to happen. Um, but uh, anyway. Th- uh, thanks for all the work that you guys do. That was from the sock man. Thank you. Um, and then the next one is from, uh, it's called cracking coconuts from dead rabbits. 76. <laughs> uh, wonderful pod. Ant and Bundy are great. Russ is a necessary evil. <laughs> He's the vegetables to the steak dinner. Genuine question. I know Chris is such a great advocate for mental health and helping people with substance abuse issues. Uh, you guys also seem to be advocates and promoters for ice wars. Um, I'm just curious if you think there's a fine line knowing the link between fighting CTE and substance abuse. Yeah. Keep up the great work and let's go Flyers. Love the dead rabbit. So, Bundy, I didn't know if you wanted to uh, just answer that real quick as we wrap Yeah, you know what? And that's that's a, that's a fair question. So, yeah, so I am the broadcaster um, – for Ice Wars. I got involved last year actually through Joe Watson, who knew a guy in Canada that was reforming the league. And I was out of hockey and said, we need a broadcaster. And again, in the world we live in, I understand that there's a, and I appreciate this moment to explain it a little bit because I have gone through it. And what you have to know, and I'd love Anthony to get you to one of these, because yeah. when you meet the guys, you'll understand the culture that they're in. And it's, it's a whole different world than, even what I saw when I played in the NHL with the top guy. So when I went out there, this is very interesting, and I never uh, breach a privacy thing, but I was asked a lot about it. Like, you know, Chris, you've had concussions or has been fighting, and I've you know, maybe had a few fights in my life. Um, and, and I thought about that. I'm like, you know what, it's kind of true, like, you know, at, at first. But I am a, a mental health advocate. I had addiction issues. Uh, you know, I don't ever believe that they stem from any concussions. I, I believe that there's things people deal with every day and you have to get through them and then, coming out the other side is a life achievement. Um, but when I went out and I met a lot of our ice warriors, the guys that had fought, they'd been in third or fourth leagues, even below the East coast league, uh, the continental, the colonial league, they play in that men's league in Quebec. Um, and so what happened was when I went out and met them, I found in a lot of the guys, there were similarities between themselves and me. Some of them had battled addiction issues, but the one thing that shined through was the culture that they love combat. And I couldn't deny that. Like, I would even talk to them about, like, guys, you know, what, what, you're 38, you're 40. We love, we love fighting. We love the spirit of combat. We love putting on our, our gloves. And a lot of these guys still play in these leagues now, most of them, where combat is prevalent almost every single night for their team. So to that, they've also found 
something to live to live by. Like they're finding some some achievement in and of themselves, you know, to go out and get crowned the ice, the ice, uh, you know, the ice war king. And and so but yes, but that was a, a legitimate thing. Um, I talked about it, but, you know, I haven't talked to the guys. Uh, it made them certainly happy uh, in terms of having a league to perform in. Um, and, and understanding that, yes, hockey's the mainstay in the sport, but there are guys that do other things. And it's different. In Western Canada, a lot of them are Western Canadian, and it's it's a different. It's part of the culture growing up sometimes. And um, uh, it's I'll tell you what, guys, it's a dynamic sport. It's not for everybody. I say that. I said some people like ping pong, and some people like combat sports and MMA and hockey fighting. I happen to like both. Um but not everybody may like like hockey fighting, and I and I don't want to sit and have anybody say that uh, you know we're proponents. If you're not a proponent of it, you don't have to watch it. But if you do, I'll tell you what: it's the most electrifying combat sport I've ever seen, and I couldn't believe I called it. I will actually be doing play-by-play July 15th this year in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, more details to come, but that's coming up pretty quick in a month, and that'll be my first gig as a play-by-play guy, uh, <laughs> calling a combat sport um and we have a, a pretty good thing we'll talk more about that but thank you for allowing me to address that guys i think it's important um and i saw i just i was able to see a different side of that to to what it is and um uh, again it's not for everybody but it's one heck of a show uh as we get out as we head out there are a couple of uh last questions comments somebody asking what happened to the solo mustache I was getting used to the resemblance to ed from city slickers <laughs> Grew the beard back. My wife is not happy that I grew the beard back. Um, this is something that I think we should touch on next week. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. this is like a this is like a, a an entirely other topic that yeah. is worthy of a large segment of a show. So when we do next week's show, unless the Flyers like trade Carter Hart, we have to do an emergency show. Uh, this is something that we want to get to and do it justice and not just have it be like an aside at the end of the episode. So there, there were a bunch of questions about Couturier and about his ability to come back. And, you know, does he go on IR, LTIR, the works? Um, so again, we'll, we'll touch on that um, probably on, on next week's episode. Um, I think that's probably it guys. Um, there were a lot of comments. We'll try to get to some of those next week. A big thank you to everybody who tuned in. Remember, if you follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at snow the goalie, and you hit the little bell, you'll get notified every time we go live. If you if you prefer to watch on Facebook, which is fine, as long as you're following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash snow the goalie, uh, you can also kind of set notifications. And anytime we set one of these live streams ahead of time, uh, it'll pop up an event. You can RSVP to it and hit going, and then it'll give you a notification when we go live there as well. So we're, we're open to you watching however you want to watch. Um, a big thank you this week to Bundy, who is back. Good to have him back. Uh, to Ant. Yeah, thanks. To, to Ant, who, uh, you know, again, intrepid Phillies reporter, now, uh, you know, also occasionally touching on the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers as well. Uh, and a I'll big be, thank I'll, you to everybody. I'll, I'll be down at the Phillies again tonight, just so you know. Thank God. Hopefully you get another barn burner like you did last night. <laughs> <laughs> When's Aranola pitch next? Uh, this weekend against the Dodgers. No, no, he pitched. Uh, he pitched on uh, Monday, so he'll go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What are you thinking of that team, Anthony? Really quick before we leave, what are you? What are Phillies? Your, yeah, what are you thinking? I mean, I, mean you- I think that I think that they're going to be they're going to be a, in the playoffs. I I think that they got off to a terrible start and they they kind of wasted uh, any kind of mulligans that they will have for later in the year. But I still think that they're one of the six best teams in the National League and will be there in the playoffs. 
Cool. Hey guys, look at this. I don't want to positivity. drag that out. I mean, I, positivity I mean, on the way out. Look at this. Bear, Bear Boy. Bear Boy says you guys do a good job. He's a Bruins uh, fan. Appreciate the honesty out of all three of you guys. Nice job, gents. You too, Russ. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on him, Kev. <laughs> Andy, Andy, all weekend. Subscribe to the show or to the uh, to the channel. That's great. Love it. So, uh, listen, uh, and I don't know what this is, but loved this podcast forty years ago. Sure. Yep. I agree. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. I think it's uh, a good time to go. So it's probably, you probably meant to say four, and it typed in the O by accident. No, I, maybe maybe we've existed for 40 years and we didn't even know. Oh, hey, new listener, Douglas DeRosa. First time listening. I like what I hear well, so far. Qdell, GOAT Flyers podcast. Appreciate that. Well, of course, we are the only Flyers podcast. I don't think I specified that off the top of the show. But thanks for listening, maybe even watching Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. We'll be back again next week unless – unless we have to do another emergency podcast. Danny Briere off to a very, very strong start to his tenure as GM. We'll be back to break it all down next week. Until then, go Flyers. Have a great week, everybody. Go Flyers. See you guys.